right. Well, good morning once again. I want to start out with reading from Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So this is um, week three of this series, Uncommon, and we're working through the book of Romans, but we've been working through backwards. And so we started in 16, and last week we talked um, about 14 and 15, and this week we're going to jump to 12 and 13. And the reason we're doing and walking through backwards is because I think it gives us a better picture of what Paul is talking about this transformation for. There's a purpose in what he is trying to move these people towards. And so this morning, I want to kind of jump into that. Um, back two years ago in November, I did a wedding. And it was a little bit different of a wedding. Um, I showed up like I normally do, and I had in my little travel bag my black suit and my tie. Um, I, I don't have many of them, but uh, I hate them. Uh, but I, I had my black suit and I had my tie, and it was all packed away. And we were meeting with the couple that night um, before the rehearsal, and we were talking and everything, and they were telling us about what they were wearing for the wedding. And it, it suddenly occurred to me, I did not ask them what they wanted me to wear for the wedding. I, I just, it's a wedding. I'm going to show up in a black suit and white shirt and a tie. It might, hopefully will match what other people are wearing and things like that. And we start talking and the groomsmen are wearing jeans and boots and a little blazer and the bridesmaids have kind of these fall dresses and it's an outdoor wedding outside of a barn. It's not y'all's, don't worry. Um, an outside wedding. And I started thinking, and I was talking to Cammie, I'm like, I don't know if the black suit's the best option for this. And so we start telling them, well, I think I'm going to have to go tomorrow. And we, by the way, we had driven to Cleburne for this wedding, which is right outside of Fort Worth, if you don't know. Um, about a three-hour drive. Went down on Friday night. The wedding was Saturday night. And so we decided um, I have two options. I can get in my car Saturday morning, drive two and a half back hours back to Tyler, get some clothes, drive back two and a half hours, do the wedding, get back in my car, drive two and a half hours back home with all of my children and my wife. Um, and we decided, well, that might not be the best option. And so, you see here, what I do when I have an event is I go to Men's Warehouse. And I have a guy at Men's Warehouse named Chris. And crazy enough, Chris and I went to high school together. And so I can walk in and say, hey, Chris, I have this. I'm supposed to dress like this. And he'll go pull stuff off the rack and come back and say, you, you should wear this. And then I'll ask questions like, well, can I wear that with that and this with this? And no, you can't do that. That doesn't look good. That doesn't mix. And so um, I just went to Fort Worth, to the men's warehouse in Fort Worth, and thought, I'm just going to walk in. And um, the problem is Chris wasn't there. And so the guy starts getting stuff out, and um, I ended up getting a whole new wardrobe that day. Um, they had a great sale, thankfully, um, but I ended up with a new pair of jeans 
And I ended up with a new, a couple new shirts and a new tie and two new sports coats because they were buy one, get one free. And so <laughs> it was the most expensive wedding I've ever done. But the, the crazy thing is the guy who was trying to figure out what I should wear for this wedding didn't like go back to the computer and look and see, well, here's what kind of jeans he wears and da-da-da-da-da. He just said, here, try these on. And we we're kind of in a hurry, and so I try them on and um, get them. And I get back, and I'm like, I don't, I don't really like these jeans. They're not the most comfortable jeans I've ever worn. And, and, and I, honestly, I, I would wear jeans and T-shirt every day of my life and tennis shoes if it was socially acceptable everywhere. Like, if we want to do that here, like, <laughs> um, I just, I'm comfortable in it now. Uh, I'm, I'm comfortable in it. The, the problem was he gave me the wrong jeans. Like, there's a style and a brand of jeans that I always get. I have four pair of them now. Um, and he gave me the wrong style and the wrong pair. And they didn't fit as well. And I didn't like them as much. And I started thinking about the, the problem with the jeans. And the problem with the jeans wasn't the jeans, it was the pattern. See, I've gotten to where I like the, the jeans that I have, and I can go into any men's warehouse and say, I want this, 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 and they can hand them to me. I don't have to go try them on. I can order them online. They come, and they're going to fit. And the way I know is because the people who produce these jeans follow a specific pattern. And one of the things that I've, I've learned is the only way to reproduce the product is to repeat the pattern. You have this pattern, and if the people making the product will follow the pattern and just repeat it, they can make as many of the same jeans as they want. And there's a lot of different areas where patterns show up in your life. And it's not just in your clothes. Some of you have patterns that you follow every single morning. You wake up, and maybe they're healthy patterns. Maybe you wake up and you grab a cup of coffee and you sit down with your Bible and you pray and read and then you go exercise. Maybe it's an unhealthy pattern where you roll over and you hit the snooze for two hours, annoying your spouse who's sleeping beside you. I'm not pointing at her. Um, annoying your spouse who's trying to sleep beside you. And then you rush out the door late, barely taking any time. Maybe, maybe it's a pattern of you feel um, down and, and angry, and so you go through the drive-thru at Whataburger, and that makes you feel really good, and then you get more depressed because you just ate that, and you committed to this diet, and you go back through the drive-thru at Whataburger and get more food, and, and there's this pattern that follows. Some of you have the pattern of playing the victim, where it's always someone else's fault. It's never mine, and so there are patterns that are healthy and there are patterns that are unhealthy. And there are patterns that are life-giving and there are also patterns that are destructive. But one thing that I do know is the only way to reproduce the product is to repeat the pattern. And some of you, you look at your life and you think, well, I don't like where I'm at. I don't like the relationships that I have. I don't like the habits that I have. I would just simply ask the question, well, what are the patterns that you have repeated 
that have produced this product. Because the problem is not just simply where you are. The problem is the pattern that you've been following. Because you did not just get there overnight. The pattern is the problem. And so Paul is talking about a pattern here. And the the reason that this pattern is important, as we've been kind of emphasizing through this series, is it's not just about you individually. It's about us collectively as a church and how we live together and how we relate to one another and our purpose here in the world that's bigger than just simply what happens inside the walls of this building. And and through the last several weeks, we've talked about the fact that your sin does not just affect you. I would say the same thing with patterns. Your patterns do not just simply affect you. They affect everyone. They affect everyone that's in your life, that you're in relationship with. If you have an addiction, there is a pattern. And, And so much has gone into these patterns that form addictions and and feelings and what happens. But if you don't like the product, my suggestion is we look back at the pattern. And so in verse 2 of chapter 12, Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, to the pattern of this world, to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, When we see the word world here in the Greek language, the word we would expect to see is the word cosmos, and it means everything in the ordered universe. But the word he uses here is aeon, which is um, the age. So he's he's talking about don't, don't follow the pattern of this age. And in Paul's mind, in this Jewish understanding, there are two ages. There is this present age, which he constantly talks about, is passing away, that is not going to last, that is broken, that's falling apart. But then there is this age that is to come. And and one of the things Paul wants you to understand is this this age that is to come is what we talk about as eternity. But Paul would say it's not just something that happens later in the future, that it's something that has already begun in the death, burial, and resurrection in the announcement that Jesus is now king of the world. And so we've moved from this, this present age into the age that is to come when we decide that Jesus is our Lord, he is our, and we're going to submit our life to King Jesus. There's this transition that happens from this present age to the age that is to come. And so he says, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this age. And he's talking about this present age, this broken age, this one that's falling apart, that's not being held together. Don't conform to this pattern. And I would just go ahead and simply say that if you don't like where your world is and what you're going through, that you need to look back at the pattern. And there's a question of what pattern is my life reflecting? What what pattern has formed my life and my understanding? What pattern has formed my life? Because the way that we get to repeat the product 
is we repeat the pattern. And we start to say, well, there's something not right. There's something not right in here. It doesn't look right. It doesn't feel right. But the problem in Paul's mind is not the world. The problem is not the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The problem is not the world. The problem is the pattern of this world. Um, every year at Christmas time, we have a tradition in our family that we make cookies and we leave them on the table for Santa. And, and probably a lot of you growing up did that. Um, the, the great thing is you get to sit down with your kids and you make these cookies. And we use these cookie cutters. There's a, a stocking cookie cutter and a Santa Claus cookie cutter. And we have lots of other cookie cutters. And we'll roll out the dough on the table. And, and it's amazing because our four-year-old can make cookies that look every bit as good and professional, crisp, clean edges as my, her mom and dad. Her mom and dad who have so much more experience and so much more knowledge, and she's four and she can do this. And she has a cookie that just looks perfect. And it's easy because there's a pattern. There's a pattern they follow. And all of a sudden, all of these cookies start to look exactly the same as one another. And so Paul talks about this pattern of the world. There, there's this pattern of this age that is to come, this pattern of the world that's present right now in front of us that's passing away. And what's really interesting about this pattern that he picks up on is there's one pattern that he names. So he names this first pattern, the pattern of the world. But there's another pattern that he just simply explains. He doesn't give it a name. He doesn't say this is what it is. He just simply goes on to explain it. And I think one of the problems we run into in our New Testaments that we have today are these little things called subheadings. Because we think, oh, well, that's a nice, perfect little place for a break, and obviously it's a change in thought. But the problem is, especially, I think, in Romans 12 and 13, the subheadings are so misplaced. Like, I think they're very, very unhelpful. And so he goes on and he talks about this pattern. There's this pattern of the world. This is the one he names. But then right after that, he goes on to explain another pattern. He doesn't name it. He doesn't give it a name. And I'll, I'll give it a name in just a minute. But I want to read to you about the problem or the pattern that he talks about. So in chapter 12, verse 3, he says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. In accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ we, though many, form one body. For each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve 
If it is teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. It goes on to say this in verse 9, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. And we talked about last week this idea of honor and shame, this honor and shame culture. He literally goes and says, outdo one another in paying honor and respect to one another. How do you honor everyone else above yourself? It's not seeking my own honor, but honor everyone else above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. And I would say if if he was to put a label on it, you have this one pattern that he talks about that he labels the pattern of the world. I would say this other pattern that he talks about is this Christ-like pattern, this cruciformed pattern, this cross-shaped pattern. And this pattern doesn't just tell you how to be like everyone else. This pattern tells you what it looks like to live as Christ, not just as individuals, but in the context of community among one another. Because Paul's interest is not in just saying, hey, you need to obey and believe in the gospel of Jesus so that you'll be saved. That's not his end goal. His end goal is that you would be changed, that you would be transformed, that you would be redeemed so that you can be a part of this bigger community, the church, his body, who is going into the world, being his hands and feet, taking his love outside of the walls and outside of the doors of this place and transforming the world. That that is his end goal. That is his purpose in writing this book. It's not just so that you would be okay and you could come sit in your pew and everything's okay because I'm all right and I really enjoyed that sermon. I like those songs and I like this place, but I really don't need to connect to anyone else and be in community with everyone else because really it's all about me. His purpose is so much bigger. His purpose is that we would be a very uncommon community in the midst of so many communities that are broken and falling apart and look like they have been destroyed. In the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the pain, there would be this one community that was different than everyone else. One where everyone, regardless, was invited to a table. The table we talked about last week, where everyone has a place, everyone belongs, everyone is welcome. And it's a community that looks so, so uncommon in our world today. And that that pattern that he talks about, that Christ-like pattern, is supposed to be forming in them this new ethic, the way that we're going to live. And so he goes on, and and hopefully what I'm doing is giving you the tools so that you can go home and, and actually jump in here and figure out what's going on and the purpose of it. 
Because if, if the only time you're opening the Word, only time that you're being fed is right here on Sunday mornings, there's a problem. Like, I, I want to help equip you so that you can go home and continue this and go deeper in this. There, there's a problem. And if you, you know this because if you only eat one time a week, right, I'm just going to load up and I'm going to get all I can get and this is going to be great and I'm going to have turkey and dressing and mashed potatoes and macaroni and cheese and, and I'm hungry now. Um, but if you do that one time a week, there's a problem. And the problem is you're going to have a really unhealthy pattern that's not going to sustain you. I think one of the patterns that we have to have as followers of Jesus is this pattern of constantly being in the Word and growing in our understanding. And that cannot happen just when the doors are open here. If that's the only time you're being fed, if that's the only time you're growing, there's a problem with the pattern. So he goes on and he talks about this new ethic and how this transform life transforms you. And in 12, 14 through 21, in the beginning of this section, he talks about bless and empathize and pursue peace with people. And you put that up on the screen for me, Haley. And then 13, 1 through 7 is the be subject to the governing authorities. And then ends in 13, 8 through 10 by talking about how everything in the law, everything that the Torah talks about, is summed up with this idea of loving your neighbor. Like he, he's reiterating these words of Jesus, like love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And everything is summed up in that. And what we learn here is the only way to reproduce the product is to repeat the pattern. And so um, I wanted to, to help you a little bit this morning because I said it, one of the, the patterns, one of the patterns he names, the pattern of the world, and the other one he doesn't name, the, this Christ-like pattern, he just simply explains what it looks like. And so I thought um, it might be helpful if I wrote you a letter. I, I wanted to write you a letter and tell, if, if you aren't really into following Jesus, and you just want to kind of go do your own thing, I thought I would write a letter to you for the pattern you could follow, right? So Paul says, Here, here's what it looks like to live this Christ-like pattern, and he doesn't really explain this pattern in the world. So I thought I would just write a letter to you explaining how to live from that pattern of the world perspective. So, so this is my letter. Because God's goodness has been shown to you from the start, I say to you, you are special. And no one else matters as much as you do. Let's just be honest. The world basically revolves around you. Yes, there are lots of other people, but your role matters more and is more important than everyone else. Remember, this is really about you. And make sure everyone knows just how important you are. God has gifted you. Use it for your glory. If your gift is prophesying, then do so for your fame. If it's serving, then do so to receive appreciation. If it's teaching, then do so in a way that everyone marvels over your intellect. If it is to encourage, then do so um, so that they will return the favor. 
If it is giving, then make sure everyone sees and knows what it is you have given. If it is to lead, do it for the honor and applause. If it is to show mercy, make sure they know they are indebted to you. Love is just superficial. It's a way to get what you want. Use God's good gifts in ways they were never intended to be used, as long as it makes you happy. Use those around you. Oh, sorry. Again, make sure you receive all the glory and honor. Put on a good show. Make people think you are far more spiritual than you are. When it gives difficult, just give up, because basically what you believe is not all that important. Take care of your first, yourself first. As long as all of your needs are met and you have all you wanted, have worked for, and earned, then help other people. Just make sure they know there are strings attached. Don't allow others into your world. Protect yourself at all costs. Could you imagine a world where everyone followed that advice? And here's the thing. We don't have to work too hard to imagine because that is the world as it is. That is the pattern of this age. That is the pattern of this world. That is the pattern. And the only way that we get the product is we repeat the pattern. And, and what my guess is, as you hear that pattern, there's a sense inside of you where it kind of hurts a little bit. Because if you're like me, there are so many parts in that letter that I'm like, oh, man, I can be guilty of that. I, I can make the world all about me. And I can be selfish. And I can make sure that my needs are met before everyone else's. Like there's a part of me that's in the letter. But I think there's also a part of me that longs for Paul's description. Who knows, like, that is a better way to live. I mean, because we look at the world as it is, and we know what we've been following, and that everyone's following this pattern. If we can step outside of this pattern and step into this Christ-like pattern, this world would be a better place. I think more importantly, this church would be a better place because we would all start to look more and more and more and more like Christ. And it would change the way that we interacted with one another, but it would also change the way we interacted with this world because the world wasn't the problem. It was the pattern of the world. God loved the world and gave his son for the world. So how do we form this new pattern? If we find that, man, that is where I find myself drawn to and living so often is this pattern of the world, then how do I transform myself? How do I move to this new pattern? 
Paul says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. To, to these people who were so consumed with this sacrificial system, where, where we messed up and we take a sacrifice and we offer it, we offer this body, this animal to be sacrificed. Now he says, take yourself, lay yourself down as a sacrifice. So it's this idea, sacrifice your body to be a part of this body. Sacrifice this body to be a part of this body. And I don't just mean like Shiloh, but like Christ church, Christ body. Sacrifice your body to be a part. Lay down all, all of the stuff in the letter that you see, all that stuff that's like, ah, oh, that's, that's part of me. Like there, there's that part of me that wants more and more attention and more and more glory and more and more honor. And he's, no, 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 give that to everyone else that's a part of this community that you're a part of. Lay down your body to be a part of a bigger body. This is your true and proper worship. And he says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I think I always had this sense of, as a little kid reading this, be transformed, but it doesn't really say transformed into what, right? Be transformed into what, well, it's where you keep reading to verse 3 and, and beyond. Be transformed into Christ-likeness. So that becomes who you are. It becomes what you look like. It becomes everything about you. And how do we do that? By the renewing of your mind. See, what he doesn't say is, well, just follow your heart. Just follow your heart because it will lead you to the place you need to go. Because I think what all of us know is our heart will lie to us. Our heart will chase after things that are not that important. Our, our heart will become consumed with ourself and our needs. And your heart can't overpower the patterns you've developed. That it has to come from your mind. And you know, we asked that, that question at the beginning, what are the patterns in your life that are unhealthy and destructive. Maybe it's the patterns of, of playing the victim. Or maybe it's the patterns of compulsive spending or anger or lust or alcohol or overeating. And these patterns start to creep up in our world, in our lives, and we think, well, we, we need different. Well, the problem, the problem is the pattern. If you know me, I love baseball, and I love having sons that play baseball. Um, Ryan is 10, fixing to be 11, um, and he plays kind of the older kids, and Caleb is in coach pitch, and I love coaching them. But it's really interesting, like, as they've gotten older, like where Ryan is. Like, you have these kids that they love the game you can see with their heart, like they're passionate about it. But a lot of times their problem is not their heart and their passion, it's their head. Because they'll make a mistake. And they'll find themselves in a hole. 
And what we have to do as coaches is to say, okay, stop, take a deep breath, and refocus. You know, a pitcher struggling to throw strikes, stop, step off the mound, take a deep breath, and refocus. I think I would say the same thing to a lot of you today. Just stop. Stop for a minute. And, and look at the patterns. And I just simply ask, are the patterns that you see in your life, are they formed after this age? Or are they formed after Christ? And if they aren't, there's this moment where we just, okay, we've got to refocus. And it starts with our mind, and I think our heart follows that. When we refocus our mind, our heart will follow. It starts with, with the heart, but then there's this moment where it's, well, our heart's kind of been led astray. Stop. Let's refocus. And, and what is it that we refocus on? What is it that's going to transform this Christ likeness formed in us? Because if that will be your focus, if that becomes the pattern for every morning, every morning to get up and just read the stories of Jesus, it's like, okay, I want my life today to look like this. And today when I come in contact with difficult people, I'm going to try to respond like this. And today when my anger kind of gets the, the better of me, I'm going to respond like this. And today when self-control seems to be really difficult for me, I'm going to respond like this. If, if we'll refocus our mind, our heart will follow. Paul says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, this pattern of this age, this present age. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind into this Christ-like pattern. And if you'll do that, if, if you'll worry about you being transformed into Christ-likeness, and the person over here will worry about you being transformed into Christ-likeness. And the person over here will worry about them being transformed into Christ-likeness. Then this whole place begins to look like this little community of Jesus' people. People who are formed in His image. And I believe that it is the one thing that has the power to change the world. And the reason I believe that is because Jesus gave his life because he believed it could. Father, today, would you transform us? Would you change us? Would you make us more like Christ so that this body would be built up? Not so that our body would be built up. Father, we lay down our bodies as sacrifices. Our bodies laid down to be transformed, to be changed, to be put to death, so that we could be raised to be like Christ. Father, change us, transform us, make us more like Jesus today. That is our prayer. That is our hope. And Father, for anyone this morning who's struggling with destructive patterns, Father, I pray that you would give them the ability to see and the ability to renew their mind, and that, Father, their heart and their love and their passion and their desire to be like you would consume them 
And Father, consume this church and change this world because of the good news that Jesus has risen, that Jesus reigns, that Jesus is King of the world. And so, Father, we submit our life to you. We love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.